Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our podcast. I'm Margo. And I'm Shannon. And tonight, I am not drinking any tea, and I was going to lie to you guys, but... I'm just way too lazy to go make myself a cup. Shannon, what are you drinking? And I'm drinking a pumpkin spice latte. So we are a little bit tea-less right now, but, but shout out to all of our tea pals. And we got a lot of tea to spill tonight, so... Oh. Um, before we get started on tonight's episode, I would like to apologize in advance because I'm not going to edit this out. Snowball, my cat, for those of you who might not know, is in the room with us tonight. So if you hear any wild noises in the background probably her she's a big tea pal so yeah. she wanted to be here yeah she did she might give her opinion every now and then uh, but I say we just talk about the elephant in the room and that is this whole Scott Borchetta Scooter Braun Taylor Swift kind of debacle that's going on right now um, and so to kind of give you guys a little bit of backstory when Taylor was much younger I think it might have been 13 or 15 I don't really remember how old she was she signed with Big Machine label and so all of her records before, or all of her albums, I honestly actually don't know the difference between a record and an album, if we're being honest. Do you? No. Okay. If you guys do, let us know. All of her albums before Lover were with Big Machine. And so as we learned in an Instagram post earlier this year, was it? Yeah, it was over the summer. As we learned in an Instagram post earlier this year, she decided once her contract was up with Big Machine, she was leaving them uh, to go to a new label. And she also recently shared with us um, the kind of the whole situation in the music industry of when you sign a contract, what happens if you don't own your masters. So basically, when Taylor Swift signed her contract when she was a youngin, um, a wee child. Yes, she was in her contract somewhere. It didn't say that she would ever own her masters of anything that she produced with that record label. And as soon as she produced I, six or seven albums, she would be released from that contract and would be able to either sign a new one or leave. And so as Margo was saying, she decided to leave after Reputation and go with a new label. And she had a great experience at Big Machine, or so we thought. Um, but what we didn't know until after she was starting to get ready to leave was that she was not given the right to buy her masters. Um, so basically when she chose to leave Big Machine, she didn't get any opportunity to buy it and she wasn't, um, able to take it with her, like in any capacity. So now at her new record label with Lover being the first album that she's put out with them, she fully owns that album. Like it is completely hers. Nobody else can take it away from her at any point in her career. And that was really groundbreaking for her as an artist because she's always advocated for artists to have the right to own their own music. Mm -hmm. So that was like the reason Taylor chose to walk away from Big Machine. And I think like the other thing, and I definitely get confused by this too, but from what I understand, so Taylor still has all of the rights to her old album. So from Taylor Swift, the debut album, all the way to... Uh, reputation she has the rights to decide where that music goes and to approve of whether or not it can be like in a movie or a tv show or whatever it might be but i 
what I at least, and Shannon, correct me if you if you think I'm wrong, I really don't know. I've tried Googling this, but obviously legal jargon gets very confusing. But I believe what it comes to owning your masters is that when someone else owns them, they essentially get final say of everything. So like, I think Taylor gets final say of if it is in a TV show or whatever, but like they, they'll still get money from everything. And I think, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I, yeah, so we don't fully understand the legal jargon as Margo was saying, but essentially Taylor is not making the full royalties off of it in the way that she should. It's the people who own her masters that are really profiting off of this. So every time we stream it on Spotify or you go to the store and buy an album right. or any purchase that you make uh, is not going directly to Taylor. It's going to the person who owns her masters. Which, when she left Big Machine, she knew that it was going to end up getting sold. She knew it wasn't going to stay with the previous uh, person, which is Scott Borchetta, the CEO, I mm -hmm. believe, of Big Machine, and the person who initially um, signed that, or gave Taylor that contract to sign. Uh, he turned around and sold it to somebody else, uh, which is what leads into this big story and what you might yeah. have seen in the media this past week. That also kind of leads into the conversation of re-recording. So if you guys remember the artist JoJo, if you go on Spotify now and try and find JoJo's old work, you can't. Um, she re-recorded all of her old songs. So now they sound like kind of like much more mature and they just don't sound like the ones that we used to sing along to. And in Taylor's contract, she's able to re-record all of her songs next November, which I foresee that being that she's going to take off all the old ones off of Spotify if she's legally allowed to. I don't actually know if she can, but I think that would mean that she would take off all the old ones and the re-recorded versions would be the only ones that we will be able to stream online um, and like buy in stores or anything like that. And so that's kind of really what Big Machine is using against her being able to perform at the AMAs for Artists of the Decade is this is this would be the first performance of her old song since leaving the label that will be recorded on live television. So if you guys saw like um, what she do Lover of Paris or whatever the heck that was called and when she performed in China and she's done performances like even Tiny Desk. I don't is that the right name for it? Is yeah. it Tiny Desk? Those weren't, those didn't air on live television. They just like aired on the internet or like people recorded them and put them out on the internet. That doesn't count as a re-record. But what Big Machine is essentially saying is that because this will be on live television, you're re-recording your songs earlier and that's breaking the contract. And that's kind of the whole situation that we see happening. Yes, those are the facts. So earlier this week, Taylor posted on her Instagram story uh, an open letter uh, to her fans and anyone on the internet, really. And she posted it on, I think, all of her social media accounts. And it was detailing the events that she's been going through back and forth with Big Machine. And so uh, to recap her letter, she starts by saying that um, she acknowledges that she is getting the award for Artist of the Decade at the AMAs. Which we're super excited about. Huge. Uh, I think she's also the first female to ever get that she's award. She's the first female to ever get How that. freaking yeah. cool is that? And when you look up the people who have won it previously, it's like Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder and Elvis Presley and I believe the Beatles. Um, like all of these like really big people who like to see Taylor among them and just to know that she's like achieved that success is Phenomenal. incredible. Um, so we're really happy that she's getting acknowledged with that because she's very deserving of it. So in her open letter, she was talking about how she wanted to perform, was planning to perform a medley of all of her songs 
from the past decade as seeing as she's getting the award of artist, artist of, of the, the decade. decade. <laughs> she didn't want to just do her new music. Uh, and so I guess Big Machine is arguing that that would, as Margaret was saying earlier, would be re-recording her music before November 2020, and that would be breaching the contract that she had when she exited Big Machine. Um, so they're banning, for lack of a word, or trying to keep her from doing so. Um, whether or not they're legally able to, I'm not sure, but that is what they're trying to do. Uh, and then the other thing she spoke about was, um, and she said this isn't how she was planning on telling us, but she wanted to be transparent with us. There is a upcoming Netflix documentary about the past like 13 years yeah. of her life whenever she first entered the music industry. And, um, Which is wild. I'm getting chills thinking about that. Like, yeah. that we would get that. Yeah. Also, the fans had been talking about it for two weeks. So, I don't know how you Swifties figure things out. But, like, it is crazy that sometimes we get the rumors right. Yeah. <laughs> so, she acknowledged that there was going to be an upcoming Netflix documentary. Um, and that she was going to have snippets of, like, previous tours and music from previous albums. Because, um, hello, like, they were a part of her life over the last 13 years. But uh, Scott Porchetta, she calls out directly, uh, will not, like, sign off on that, for lack of a better word. Um, and that he, again, it goes back to, like, it being, like, a Part breach of, of contract, her contract. Yeah. Um, and so she's very frustrated. Oh, and she also acknowledges that he, neither he or Scott, uh, or Big Machine Label are, are even mentioned in the documentary at all. So it wasn't going to be slander or anything like that. He was just banning her ability to use her old music in the documentary. I think there's old music and old performances too. Yes, correct. Which so, like, how can you have a docu- Like, I can understand being able to figure out how to have a documentary of the past 13 years without playing her old music, but I genuinely don't understand how she would be able to have a documentary of the past 13 years without any old performance footage as well. Yeah, it would be super difficult to showcase. Yeah. It's very interesting. So what Taylor was doing was she was trying to be transparent about what she's experiencing and um, and also kind of encouraging people in the music industry to speak up about why this isn't fair to her um, because all she's really advocating for is the ability to own her masters. Mm-hmm. And um, so she turned around and was like, please, like people, like speak up on my behalf. And, and actually, sorry, can I cut you off for a second? I think it's really important to note, like, if you guys remember a couple of years ago when Apple Music was coming out with their streaming services, what they wanted to do was they wanted to put all artists' music on for, I think it was, like, three months for free. Like, artists would not get paid for their music being on streaming services. And Taylor wrote Apple that huge letter. I think it went live on Father's Day of whatever year that was. And it was basically, like advocating for younger artists not younger sorry rather newer artists that like could not survive off of having people stream their music and not getting any money for that for three months and so like I think that it's so important that like Taylor has done so many things like she did that she when she signed with her new record label I remember she like publicly shared that she made them change their contracts with all of their other artists so that they would make more money off streaming as well because artists actually don't make a lot of money off streaming and so all all she has constantly done really these past couple of years, especially when she's really found like her, for lack of a better term, I guess like political voice, um, has been advocating for other artists. So I thought it was really huge that she like finally, after doing this for so many other people was like, I need your guys' help. Like I'm asking you publicly to help me. Yeah. Sorry, I keep going. Yeah. So it, it really is heartbreaking that she's being asked or like even kind of forced to not be able to perform her own music 
that she wrote, she has written every single song that she's ever put out. So it, it's just heartbreaking. And that's what we've been hearing about all this week. And, and she even ended the letter with saying that uh, her performances upcoming, like there's just like a huge question mark around all of them because we don't know what she can and cannot do. And a lot of people on the other side of the argument are trying to say that even Big Machine themselves are like, we can't legally keep her from uh, performing her music. Like, that's nonsense. But at the same time, it sounds like they are trying to frame it that way as like, yeah, we can't keep you from it. But it also means that if you do that, we're going to see that as a breach of your contract because it's before November mm -hmm. 2020. And then you're going to give up your rights to ever get to re-record your music. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very difficult. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really tricky situation and a frustrating one as a fan. So I can only imagine um what she's going through but i'm hoping and i mean the amas unfortunately are so close at the end of november and i don't i don't foresee this being solved by then i foresee it could be solved by the time the netflix documentary like works out but I, i've like been brainstorming what she might do and i i've been seeing a lot of like fan theories online and i'm hoping i mean there's a lot of artists performing i'm hoping because other artists can perform her songs so maybe other artists will perform her songs or maybe fans will just start singing them or maybe she won't perform at all. Honestly, like who really knows? But I think that it's just, it's so frustrating to see that like, even as artist of the decade, she is being halted from being able to perform how she wants. And I mean, like, not to be like, this is Taylor Swift, you guys, but like, this is Taylor Swift. Like, just think about all the other artists that are smaller in the, in like the realm of artists like not yeah 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 I guess like just smaller in general and how they're probably bullied by labels it, it just it really shows how corrupt like I think we're finding how corrupt the music industry kind of is really yeah it is frustrating to see people who are critical of Taylor using her voice for this because a lot of people are trying to frame it as like well you know you did sign it your contract this way but so it's more so that Taylor's trying to advocate for artist rights moving forward so mm -hmm. that she's other people aren't put in the same situation that she is because it's really unfortunate. And I think that people forget that it's not even that like, okay, that was in her contract, but she also was never given the opportunity to buy her masters when that contract was over. Um, and unfortunately, um, the person that Scott Borchetta who owns the masters under big machine, um, the person who we decided to sell it to hasn't been very nice to Taylor Swift for a very long time. And, and Scott Borchetta was fully aware of that and still mm -hmm. chose to sell it to somebody who she was completely uncomfortable with. Um, so it's really heartbreaking. Yeah, and I think I read something, and I'm obviously going to butcher it. It was so much better what I read online. But anyone who's kind of like against Taylor because they're like, oh, well, she signed a contract. She was underage when she signed this contract, and you really think that she could have foreseen all of these things? Like, I, I think that's really... I think we've all been in situations where... not all of us, but a majority of us have been in situations where we didn't really realize what we signed ourselves into and whether that's like a job or a house or like any type of like deal. Right. And all of a sudden you're like, damn, like I didn't, I didn't realize that I was going to get messed up over this. And I think that that's the situation. Like this poor 15 year old girl signed this contract because she thought this record label really believed in her and she really believed in them. For those of you who don't know, big machine was not a record label. It had no artist. Taylor was the first artist. So, like, it just kind of really sucks that, like, she's constantly been told as she was growing up and, like, Scott kind of publicly always said, like, you know, I really believe in Taylor. I really believe in her music. It always has come down to the music. And honestly, it really has always been about business. And I think that's, like, a really 
hard lesson to learn and it doesn't get any emotionally easier. But yes, that's the situation. I guess we'll see what happens with the AMAs. Fingers crossed that this works out. I feel like I need to take off from work. <laughs> I <laughs> Even agree. though it's, it's a Sunday? after. Is it? Yeah, like it? it's not even like during work hours, but I just feel like I <laughs> Emotional need, toll. Yes, I just need to emotionally prepare myself. So now to go back to our regularly scheduled programming, we're still doing breakdowns of the album. Yes. Lover. So, drum roll, please. <laughs> Today's song that we're going to cover is ah, Cornelia Street. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am so excited. This is my favorite Taylor Swift song ever. I think I said that in the first episode that we did, but ba- or the second episode? I don't know. Um, I have always had a favorite Taylor Swift song on albums, but I have never had an overall favorite Taylor Swift song until Cornelia Street. And Shannon and I have not talked about um, why this is my favorite. And I am so excited to share it. Ah! Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, do, do you want to go first? Um, I don't know. It sounds like maybe you might want to go first. I'm should sweating. First? I'm sweating. Yeah, right. I think you should. Well, I'll go first. Um, so in case you didn't hear, we're doing Cornelia Street today. Oh yeah. Did I even say it? No, you didn't. Oh. <laughs> I was just so excited. Um, so I love this song very much and I, I will let Margot explain it more because I think that she's a little bit closer to it than I am. Um, but what I love about this song is I really think it's showing of Taylor's storytelling mm-hmm. abilities, um, which as much as I love Reputation and there's a lot of really powerful songs on that album, I don't know if any of them quite painted a picture the way that Cornelia Street does. And I think the last powerhouse song that we had like this is the ultimate Taylor Swift number one song ever all too well so it's really really wonderful to get another song like this which is just like so captivating and and it's like it's incredible it's a it's a really wonderful song so I also cannot wait to hear it live because I think especially towards the second half of the song there's a lot of really um I feel like I keep using the word powerful but like this song like really grips you and I, I can't wait to see her in like a stadium, like getting the whole oh. crowd to sing. Oh this. my gosh! So, I'm so excited. That's all I really have to say about it. I I definitely love it a lot, but I don't think I listen to it as much as my good friend Margot does. Because even <laughs> right before we recorded this episode, I was like, well, let me listen to it right before we start recording, just to get like acquainted with it. And I what I discovered as I googled the lyrics is that I was singing a couple of different lines wrong. So uh, I got to enjoy it a second time as I learned what she's actually saying in the chorus. Uh, But yes, take it away, Margot. I am so excited to talk about this. I like practiced what I was gonna say in the shower and I'm kind of mad because what I'm gonna say now is not as eloquent as how I put it in the shower. So where do I even begin? Um. For those of you who might not be heavily invested in internet theories, I believe that this song was written about someone that is not the person that Taylor is publicly with now. If you go back to when Taylor did live on Cornelia Street, I believe it was summer of 2016 and she was photographed with a different person. Um, that was right, I think I just said this, but that was like right when she started renting a place on Cornelia Street while her other Tribeca home was being renovated. And keeping that relationship in mind and knowing the relationship she's in now, which I believe is a different person, um, I 
view this song in a very different way. I think when you listen to this song the first time, it sounds like it's just like a beautiful love story of like, I love you so much and I'd never be able to go on Cornelia Street again if we weren't together because that would be really heartbreaking. But taking it from my perspective of this song is written about someone that she is no longer with, I really view this song as more of a breakup song and a very heartbreaking breakup song because I think whenever you go into a relationship, there is like a very small piece of you in the back of your mind that's like, this might not work out. But you know, it's, it's in the back of your mind. You don't often think about it. It's just like sometimes there, but I, and I've been in a couple of serious relationships. I don't know if I've ever been in a relationship where during the relationship, I was like, holy crap, I hope I never lose you. And, and to, to think that Taylor is in like that, that is such a like, I hope that the person that I think that of is like the person that I end up with. And if that's not like that is earth shattering. But the idea that she had has to emotionally and mentally ban herself from ever going back to this street in Manhattan because the idea of not being with the person that she was with while on this street just is so incredibly painful. That's like a feeling that I don't know if I emotionally have ever experienced before. And it's just, that is just so crazy, so crazy to me. And I can't even begin to wonder what the other person who the song is ideally about, like what that person thinks when they hear this song. And so having that and like hear, hearing my perspective of it, um, just like go, going through the whole song and all of the beautiful imagery. And I really think this song for me is very similar to All Too Well, especially when she talks about um, Barefoot in the Kitchen because there's that kitchen line in All Too Well. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly not even doing my explanation justice because I just have so many strong emotional feelings about this song. I like to just gonna keep repeating myself. Um, but I also really do like the second verse when she talks about, I thought you were leading me on, like back when we were card sharks playing games. Um, because I do think that everybody, eh, not everybody, but what I found, I'm in my 20s and I'm dating. And I found that like when you do date people around this age, like your mid-20s, maybe your early 30s, like you kind of always go through that like curiosity of are you, do you really like me or are you just leading me on? Like, am I falling for you and you're not actually falling for me back? And I've, I've experienced that personally where like I have been led on by people and you, you kind of are always really questioning it. Um, but what I, I found this part really funny when she says she packed her bags and left and then she turned around before she hit the tunnel and somebody on like, I think it was Tumblr was like, okay, Taylor Swift leaving Manhattan isn't just somebody leaving Manhattan. It's like, get the helicopter ready. I have a car. The car is taking me to the helicopter that's past the tunnel. And like right before I hit the tunnel, I get a phone call from this person. And I'm like, never mind, turn around, let's go back. But also when she says like, I think they're on the rooftop after that, that kind of gives me King of My Heart vibes because she's on the rooftop and King of My Heart. Um, and uh, yeah. That's, I don't know. I just really love this song so much. And I, for me, it's just so different because it's not a love song. It's, it's really a breakup song for me. And it just, I think it gives it a whole other meaning when you think about it from that perspective. Uh, you hit on a really great list of like storytelling oh, elements of this song. <laughs> I was so nervous. I was sweating. No, you did it. You did it justice. Like it really is like, 
it's it's just like mesmerizing is that a word yeah yeah mesmerizing um and i think what's so heartbreaking about this song is like it's hypothetical like if i ever lose you like i'd never walk i don't even know what i would do i don't like i could never go back to that place where like we fell in love and experienced all these wonderful things but we as people who are listening to the song know that that relationship has ended so for us it is a breakup song yeah like when she's singing it like it's not but like in our, we know the reality of it and so that is like double heartbreaking mm-hmm. um so you have to wonder when she wrote it. Like, she might have written it, like, while she was still in this relationship with I this person. I think she might have said in, like, the City of Lover, Paris one or whatever, that she wrote it in the bathtub. <laughs> I mean, <that's, laughs> I'm almost positive that that was the song. Oh, that's amazing. Um, another point that I wanted to say, actually, is, like, I don't know about you guys, but for me, scents really bring me back to, like, memories. And I remember that there was this person that I had been seeing that, like, lived in a beach town. And when I went back to that beach town, I, like, and, like, went into, like, like, just, like, the area. I, like, smelled everything and it really kind of brought me back to the previous summer. And at at first, like, it was really hard. But then I was like, okay, like, I can move on from this. And so the idea that this love was so powerful while she was in it that she just knew she would never be able like I know I already harped on this but like she knew she would never be able to go back to that place like I have never experienced that where I knew that if a love ended I would be so like heartbroken and so destroyed that I could never go back to that place like I can imagine if I could never go back to the beach like that would really suck so like you gotta like I, I like just wonder what the details of this relationship were and I wonder I wonder if anyone else has ever really experienced that and like I said before like I hope the only person I experienced that with is the person that I end up marrying so true um I have the lyrics here in front of us and like there's a lot of really great lines that like I want to talk about um but there's a part of the song that when I first heard it I realized sounded like a song from Taylor's debut <gasps> album. Yes. Which is really crazy, and like, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I love it. Um, so the part where she sings about being barefoot in the kitchen, sacred new beginnings, that became my religion. Uh, if anybody knows the song Invisible, uh, it has the same melody, and it really like, it psyched me out so much, and I would love to know if it was intentional, but even if it wasn't, I just think it's like a really great callback yeah. to it. Like, I love that. Um, that I- line also, the the that became our religion makes me think of false god which is another song on this album that talks about religion and i wonder and i've always kind of thought this when i listened to the album if both of these songs that talk about religion are about the same person oh that's a good point i love it i love i do love this song it's so well written it's definitely one of the best on the album i also just kind of love towards the end and i believe it's like the final chorus when she sings an outlier line that says i don't want to lose you and it's not in the written lyrics in the book it's kind of like she's singing over like the chorus already and she's singing i don't want to lose you and i just like um i don't i don't know like i said i've never been in a relationship where during the relationship i've had that moment of wow, I hope I don't ever lose you. And I mean, like you do go into relationships kind of in the back of your mind. Like I said, like maybe this doesn't work out, but I I have just never had one that has been so like life altering that I've been like, wow, like if this relationship is going to end, it's because you're going to end it, not because I'm going to end it because I can't live without you. Yeah, I think it really speaks to how fragile this relationship is Mm -hmm. because in the other songs that we think that this song might be about, like other songs that we think 
are about the same person. They also speak a lot about being uh, vulnerable and not mm-hmm. knowing if it's going to work out and like that fear and, and how it can like paralyze you. Um, so this song definitely has those elements. I also like, and just not to like be presumptuous, but like with the idea that she is now happily with a person that this song is not written about, I wonder how that person feels about this song. Like, I think that would be really hard to digest knowing that like I'm with somebody who can't go physically cannot go back to this place because they'll never get over this ex. I th- I'm sure that's like a bitter pill to swallow sometimes. I didn't think about that. Yeah. That is pretty wild. That was one of my shower thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to be like crazy, but I did go back to Cordelia Street this past weekend. Um, and <laughs> it's just interesting to note, it's a very short street, so it's not like she's avoiding that much of Manhattan. <laughs> but um, I was there. I love Cornelius Street. That is on my bucket list. I would like to see it. I One time I accidentally saw it. Uh, I think it was the summer she was living there. I remember I was with a friend and she was like, oh, hey, Margo, I'm pretty sure Taylor Swift lives on the street. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she was like, no, 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 almost positive she does. And I was like, no, again, don't know what you're talking about. And she, she Googled it and she's like, yeah, that's her apartment. So I have been on Cornelius Street before, but I didn't really... Um, appreciate it until this, this weekend when I went back and I was like, ah, I'm here. <laughs> um, so with that, uh, did we want to do our favorite lines from the song? Oh did my God. I forgot yeah. about that. Okay. Um, I also forgot one more thing that I wanted to mention was I really liked that she says in the beginning and at the end, I rent a place on Cornelia street. I say casually in the car. Cause to me, and, and then in Death by a Thousand, no, no, not in Death by a Thousand Cuts. What is it? It's in Cruel Summer when she's like, I was drunk in the backseat of the car. That's Cruel Summer, right? Um, I think they're two very different situations, but I just like, I don't really know why I brought up Cruel Summer, but I just thought of the car. But anyway, I really like that she says I said it casually because I don't actually think she said it casually. I think she said it in a way of like, when you're in a new relationship and you're like trying to play it cool and you're like, oh yeah, like I run the place on Cornelia Street. But then when you listen to the rest of the song, she sounds so anxious and she's so filled with anxiety that I don't think she actually said it very casually. I think she was like, I'm trying to play it cool and I want you to come home with me and I want you to see this place that I rented on Cornelia Street, but I'm going to try and make it sound like I don't really care that much. And then when you hear in the entire song, it's like, no, no, I do care a lot about this relationship. That's just, I I felt a need to like call out how she says casually because I also don't think Taylor is very casual. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um... Okay, so now for our favorite lines. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. So this earlier part where she talks about when things were really good between them. Uh, and she's saying that back when we were card sharks playing games. Mm-hmm. That's not my favorite line, but I do like that. My favorite line is when she calls back to it. When she, comes, when she turns the car around when she's trying to leave. And she says it's because this person showed their hand. So calling back to the card shark thing, that's really interesting to me. And I think that's my favorite line because it could have different meanings. So it could be, I showed my hand like being fully transparent. Like this is how I feel. Like there's no secrets anymore. Or no, I guess that's the only thing it could really mean. You know, it actually really brings me back to new romantics when she talks about um, playing poker and I'm about to play my ace. And I, I do think she, she's saying like this person's not going to play their ace and like 
pull a 180. Like this person is like, no, I'll show you everything that I have. Yeah. And then it, oh, I knew what I was going to say. It also makes me think like, okay, so back when they were card sharks playing games, like were they both like trying to just like act casual? Casual! The relationship (laughs) being like, oh yeah, like I've got my poker face on. Like this is just for fun. Like my feelings aren't all in it either. But then, so she's trying to leave and, and the other person's like, no, like full full stop like this is like actually like yeah. how I really do feel turn the car around so I, I really like that one I think I love that it calls back to the um the card playing aspect of it I also like to pretend that she left this person in her own home while that person's like in the shower or something and she's like yeah I just I packed my bags and left while you were not paying attention I, I don't actually think that that's true but I like to imagine hey, we don't know um so I have two favorites one, I think you guys could probably see coming the line. That's the kind of heartbreak time could never mend. Uh, like I said, I think that's powerful and beautiful. And I, I can't even fathom experiencing a heartbreak that I, I think when you do experience heartbreak, you're always like, I'm never going to get over this. But in the back of your mind, you do know you're going to get over it. You know, you're going to be okay. But there are some losses that we face in life that you know time is never going to heal this loss. And I, I just, I, that line just gets me good. And then the other one is just one word. And it's right before the final chorus. It's when she like kind of whisper speaks the phrase listen. And I think that to me, it's like showing, it's her like sitting down with the other person and being like, listen, like, I, I really need to tell you how I feel. And it just, it, it goes back to just being so vulnerable again. And I think this song really shows like, like Shannon said before, how fragile the relationship it was. But also it sounds like Taylor was very vulnerable with this other person in the relationship of like, I'm going to be really, now that like, now that our cards are on the table, I'm going to be really honest with you about how I feel. And uh, like I said, you know, like in your 20s when you're dating around, especially obviously like in such a hype, profile relationship it's hard to be really vulnerable I would imagine um and so this this song for me is just ooh, like it ah just gets me good and I hope you love it as much as I do it doesn't have to be your favorite but this song should never be slept on it is so beautiful it's this little angel baby that I just I want to cuddle and be like are you okay (laughs) I just this song is like snowball like I'm just like I love you so much um Yep. <laughs> yes. Thank you for blessing us with this. Song. Oh, Taylor, it's the best. Um, with that, should we should we wrap it all up? I think we should. Well, everybody, thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Yes. Thank you for being a tea pal. We love our tea pals. We promise maybe we'll be drinking tea next time. <laughs> Not a promise. Yeah, at we all. promise maybe. <laughs> um, hopefully, we know what's gonna happen with the AMAs next time we talk to you guys. Um. And sorry, I haven't updated our Tumblr. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and, and that's, that's the Taylor T. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.